Welcome, everybody, to a Monday edition, President's Day. That doesn't stop us from doing Texans All Access. In fact, it probably puts a little bit more pep in our step as we remember the great presidents that have graced this great nation. And so we celebrate it by talking football. Me, John Harris, and Mark Vandermeer. Mark, good evening. How are you, sir? Let's talk politics. No, let's not. Never. Never. I said this a long time in radio. There's two things you're never going to get me to talk about on radio. Religion and politics. Never going to talk about them. That's a pretty safe bet. If you stay away from those two things, you'll be okay. You'll seemingly be okay. Some people don't adhere to that. One thing I like, though, when I do talk politics, not on the radio, is uh, the marketing of candidates. You know, just the sheer running the campaign, no matter what side it is. Yeah. running the campaign and how that goes and the positioning and, you know, do they make this speech here, that speech there? How do they counter? Uh, just, it's really interesting to me how everybody does it, no matter what party they're from, because that's strategy, that's marketing. You know, it, I know it's uh, high stakes. It's very important. It's politics after all, but I find that very interesting. Yes, very much so. I find interesting Devin Hester and Brian Erlocker, who we're going to hear from a little later in the show. But Mark, I'm going to start, you know, you mentioned it talking about, um, you know, right off the bat, a little bit of politics. There's some NFL politics and politicking seemingly going on right now as it pertains to the 2022 scouting combine. And Ooh. I'm over here pulling my hair out. Now, hopefully I've got a lot more hair to pull out unlike the follically challenged people that we know, but I see 150 players are boy. I hear the word boycott and I hear agents banding together. I'm like, Oh man. Then Adam Schefter put out a tweet today, essentially saying, look, the way this has been structured has not made prospects all that happy. They don't think it's going to make for great performance. What's your gut tell you about this whole combine situation and how it's going to go down over the next eight days? Well, it's funny that the union is against the big bubble when the union was really for ultimate safety, right? Right. All in when you talk about the way the team, the league was playing football in 2020 and 2021, wasn't the union pushing for daily testing prior to the start of the 2021 season for everybody? Yes. So that's a little surprising to me, but I'm sure there's some logic to it somewhere. Look, uh, Right now, I feel like we're between variants. It's kind of like people who are between marriages or between jobs. <laughs> we're between variants, all right? Can we just live a little? Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah. I, this will, I, I think that – and this is where it's kind of tricky because the NFLPA is actually speaking for a group that it doesn't necessarily represent yet. It will, but not yet. And so it's kind of the agents speaking for the players. I, I don't know. There's some, there are just some things that have got to clear up, get cleared up, but we will be going to the combine. In fact, at this time and next week, we will be in Indianapolis getting ready for a said combine. And hopefully we'll get a chance to see and hear from the, the prospects. We'll definitely hear from coaches and GMs. And we'll hear from Lovey Smith. Uh, and of course, from GM Nick Casario, I believe we're going to hear from Nick Casario later this week as well and at the combine i mean i don't know if you can spend a lot that much time with with mark and i but we're going to take it from our buddy nick casario 
Oh, we're going to have Nick on um, either Wednesday or Thursday. We'll see which night. But one of those nights we'll have – I think Wednesday. We'll we'll have Nick on on Wednesday, John McClain on Thursday, and Lord knows what we do on Friday, but it's going to be good, believe me. And then next week, we're going to have everybody on. Yeah. Mike Keith, the voice of the Titans, was contacting me today. Can you be on my show, he said. And obviously, we're going to have him on our show. And I'm sure Paul Allen of the Vikings, I would think he would be there. We'll see. We always see a ton of media guys, but the boycott thing worries me in that, hey, if enough players don't go to this thing, then a lot of media doesn't go. Then all of a sudden availability gets cut off to certain people. And, you know, we're sending a big crew there to cover this thing and not just the players. It's a convention for the league post Super Bowl. And it really is the pre free agency bubbling up of big stories in this league. And we love being a part of it. And that's the that's the thing. I can't remember who I was talking to. Um, and I was talking about somebody's asking about being at the combine. They're like, Well, what's kind of the advantage of being at the combine? I said, Well, you know, for us, it's you know, the fact we get to talk to our GM and and head coach. Some first in some cases, it's the first time we've talked to them in a while. Not for Nick, we'll talk to him twice in a couple of weeks. But you know, we get those interviews. We obviously get a chance to meet with the elite of the elite of the NFL media. We talk with different play-by-play voices, we talk with different salary reporters, we catch up with you know, people around the league, national folks as well. And then when news goes down, like you're right in the middle of it. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen a tweet and I'm like, yo, I was right there. I heard that whole thing. I was just listening to an interview. You heard that same yeah. thing. You're like right in the middle of it. So it is kind of cool, even though it is going to be uh, in the teens as far as weather goes. But luckily, we'll be inside the combine. So oh, have that, you checked it? <laughs> oh, listen, come on now. How many years? How many years <laughs> have I been doing the sidelines with you? Eight. What's the first thing uh... I checked? Oh, the now, teens, huh? Yeah, in the uh. teens. Now, typically when we go to <laughs> India, I don't really pay too much attention to it because we're inside. But I also know that we will walk to dinner at one point and at some point, and that can get kind of chilly. Little. Yeah, <laughs> very little, because as we always point out, the whole city is virtually inside, right? Or the part we're in. Right. You can you can go to most places most of the way indoors. That convention center funnels you through to a lot of different locations. So that's pretty cool. We can go from the hotel to our broadcast position, which is over a mile. Yeah. And we can do the whole thing indoors, which is super cool. We like that. With that block and a half that we have to go outside when it's in the teens. <laughs> I'm very, very soft nowadays, Mark. I'm just going to tell you. All right, today, you can go to HoustonTexas.com and you can see the full list as the Texans announced their 2022 coaching staff today. We've known about Lovey Smith. We knew about Pep Hamilton and Frank Ross. We know that we knew those three. They were announced all at the same time. Uh, and I was glad to see, obviously, we talked about this ad nauseum. Glad to see those three uh, coming back. I don't want to go through the, the entire list, Mark, but there are a few names that stand out. And I'll let you have a chance to, to respond. Sure. We'll kind of go back and forth on, on these. Danny Barrett is about to be a unicorn in some sense. Danny Barrett is about to be the running backs coach for the fourth head coach. And I think his six years of being here, I think Danny got here in, in 17 or 18, one of those years, I think it may have been 18, but he has been obviously with Bill O'Brien, Romeo Cornell, David Cully, and now Lovey Smith. He has been wow. with four different head coaches. He is retained as running backs coach. Also, retained is Dino Vasso at corners, which I love. Miles Smith, uh, the son of Lovey Smith, he is also retained. And then there were a couple of offensive defensive assistants that were retained. 
And one of them, oh, Ben McDaniels moves up from an offensive assistant yes. to wide receivers and uh, pass game coordinator. That was good. I was glad to see Ben stick around. I think he's a good coach. And then this one popped up. And Mark, this will kind of bridge the gap between what I've been doing and this announcement today. So I've been trying to finish the Harris 100. I was furiously, I was, it was like to 1 a.m. last night because I promised Amanda in our digital department, I said, Amanda, you'll have the Harris 100 before Monday hits. You'll have it. So it's like, I mean, I'm up late last night and I'm putting the final touches on it. And I'm looking up one final thing of a linebacker who made the Harris 100, a guy named Troy Anderson, who is just an unbelievable story. He's a linebacker. I mean, Mark, he, in, in his, his freshman year, he was a running back and linebacker together. In his second year, he was a starting quarterback. In his third year, he was back at linebacker, but he also ran for 336 yards. Then COVID hit, and in 2021, he was just an All-American linebacker, Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year, recorded 150 tackles, an absolute dude. He made the Harris 100. So I'm going through here, and I'm kind of reading his bio. I'm like, man, this is nuts. I knew he did a lot, but how about this? His sophomore year, he was at quarterback. He was a third-team All-American. He was the All-Big Sky first-team quarterback. He was the first quarterback from Montana State to be first-team All-Big Sky since Denarius McGee, offensive assistant for your Houston Texans. So I wasn't totally sure. When I saw that last night, I was like, I knew we were announcing the coaches today. And I was like, I think Denarius is part of that. But now I got to talk to him, man. I mean, that was in 2012. That was the last time Montana State quarterback had been first-team All-Big Sky quarterback. And the guy that did it is in this draft as a 6'4", 235-pound linebacker. He's ninth all-time in rushing at Montana State. And he had 150 tackles, and he is a Harris 100 linebacker in this draft. I would love to draft him because I'd like to see he and Denarius in the same building. But sometimes the, mer- the world start to merge a little bit. When that one hit last night at about 12.30 in the morning, I was like, man, am I seeing this right? Am I, am I awake enough to see this? Uh, but those are some of the things that stood out to me. Mark, what about you when you saw the coaches? All right. First of all, Daenerys McGee, who was, uh, he's got this infectious smile. He's got a great personality. And look, I don't grade his work. I have no idea how it's going, but I think it's probably going well because he got retained here by yes. Lovey Smith. Johnny, don't you look at these guys who are assistants, these young guys who are grinding away so differently? I mean, for me, you know, I saw Matt LaFleur and Rob Sala yeah. when they were in the building doing nothing. Mike McDaniel, people like that just not doing nothing, but when they had these titles that were less than stellar marquee busters, you know what I mean? But they're in the league and they're trying to make their way. And those guys are head coaches now. So I look at all these offensive assistants and defensive assistants, these young guys trying to make it as, Hey, you never know (laughs) that dude could be a head coach at some point. So it's just fun to look at how people progress throughout their careers. Uh, Ben McDaniels to me is interesting because he was an assistant wideout coach last year, now coaching wide receivers and pass game coordinators, big jump up for him. Josh's brother. Now he is not a Patriot, right? And he did not go to John Carroll. All right. He went to Kent state D one baby. So he's got that bragging right in the family. No question about that. And I think George Warhop is interesting coach in the offensive line. He has coached offensive line since the beginning of time at many <laughs> locations, yeah. including the Dallas Cowboys for Bill Parcells, which was an interesting stop. Worked with Lovey in Tampa Bay. 
and he was with Jacksonville most recently. We'll see how it works out here for George Warhop, but the O-line coach is always wanting you to pay attention to. And Ted White, his title, offensive assistant slash quarterbacks. Hmm. So that means you're the quarterback's coach. Now, we haven't talked to Nick or Lovey specifically about this yet because the Josh McCown questions were flying fast and furious upon Lovey's hiring. And he said, yeah, I'd love to have Josh on my staff, whatever. But he's not on this one, at least not right now. So we'll see what happens with his future. Uh, I know that a lot of people hold him in high regard. We'll see if he coaches anywhere, whether it's here or somewhere else and gets a gig, wants a gig. I don't know how he's going to handle his future but right now ted white is your guy at quarterbacks working under pep hamilton who is of course the oc yeah i think your point about the offensive assistance defensive assistance i think that's a it's a great one because some guys are just i mean they're just coming in there they, they have no idea about being a coach they're players in fact there are two players uh, Dilly harding and i believe it was uh, it was Dilly harding was one i'm trying to think of the other one uh, but play for Lovey at Illinois. And, you know, these guys get into coaching and they think, hey, that's just the logical step for me. I'm going to coach. I was a player. I love, I would love to coach. Some guys get in it like, whoa, no, uh, I got to, I'm, I want to stay football and do something else. Some people get the bug and man, they are all, all about it. Robbie Picasso is another one. Yeah. He is interesting because he's been at Rice for a little while. He was Andrew Luck's backup at Stanford. So obviously he's got some, uh, he's got some experience with Pep Hamilton. He is going to be familiar, I would imagine, with the terminology, the verbiage, because Mike Bloomgren, who's head coach over at Rice, where uh, Robbie was, they were running a lot of similar things that they were running at Stanford. So that hopefully will help the transition for Robbie coming in as a young offensive assistant uh, alongside uh, Denarius McGee. But you're right. I think when this list came out, the first thing people said was, okay, where's – okay, where M? M, there's McDaniels. There's McGee. There's no, there's no McCown. And I think a lot of people were looking for that. Mark, were you surprised at all that he was not on the list as an assistant coach? No, I wasn't surprised at all because we would have heard way before this somehow, some way that would have leaked out. I think the more, the more surprising thing is we haven't heard much about what his plans are, if anything, regarding coaching in the national football league, right? right? Maybe it's back in high school. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. I think everybody's curious about that because he was such a hot candidate for this job with a couple of interviews. Uh, But look, I think everybody's in a good place right now. Don't you? Everybody's in a good place with lovey. And there was curiosity about what would happen with McCown, who was a hot candidate, but Hey, it all worked out right now. You know, here we are in February still Johnny, but I like where this thing is headed. And now we have to take it from there. You know, a lot of stories are going to break between now and kickoff in September, One of them over the weekend with Peter King and Lovey talking about, and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't have the quote in front of me, but we still could add a great quarterback or whatever he said about that. And people are taking that and running with it. And I get it because if the Q word comes out of anybody's mouth as a coach, particularly with this organization, anybody's mouth, they want to hear what they're going to have to say. But look, if there's a chance to add somebody who's great, however they would do it, of course you would take that under consideration no one is here to say davis mills he's our guy for the next 15 years no question no davis mills is the guy right now you might look to add you might look for some additional help you might look for somebody who's bona fide 
a rock star in this league already. Who knows how they handle it? But right now you feel like you're in a pretty good place, all things considered, and you'll take it from here. We haven't even hit free agency yet for crying out loud. And I would assume that conversation that that Lovey had with Peter King is what kind of kicked off Davis Mills trending on, on Sunday. Yes. I looked on Twitter and I'm like, why is Davis trending? I'm like, <laughs> my first thought is always, oh, God, what happened? And then you realize, no, people are just, you know, they're just feeling some kind of way about it. And away you go. And I think it's funny because I've heard, I've heard, you know, I listened to Landry. I listened to the show, Ron, Ron show Hughley. And I've, I've listened to the guys at 610 talk about it. And yeah, I think, you know, Ron's in one definite camp for sure, but I find it interesting because you kind of talk about the two sides and, Oh, there's Davis Mills truthers out there. And then there's, you know, those that, that uh, think, you know, Davis is not the guy for this team. I think two of us have been probably the most level headed, like, Hey, look, He's the starter for now. He's a starter in the season. We think he's a starter going to 2022. But if the team makes a decision in some way, shape, or form, then, all right, let's rock on. Let's see what happens at that point. But for right now, he's the starter. And I would feel confident going into the season with him as the starter and see how it continues to develop. We're talking about a third-round guy. We're not talking about, um, you know, first-rounder. I, I think about Dak Prescott a lot. And the okay. reason I think about Dak a lot is because Dak was a fourth-rounder. And he played well. He played extremely well for Dallas, but there was always this thought of, ah, I don't know. Is Dak the future? Is he not? And Dak just got better and better and better and better when given time and given opportunity. And then when Dak was lost the injury in 2020, what happened? The Cowboys fell apart. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh yeah, hey, we love Dak. Dak's our guy. You know, things changed at mm -hmm. that particular point. I don't want Davis to get hurt. So people appreciate him a little bit more, but yeah, look, give a guy time to see what he can become. And nobody, especially two of us sitting here telling you, he's going to Hall of Fame. As an old coach used to tell us, a former coach used to tell us, we're not putting him in Canton. We're just looking to see what he can do with an opportunity. So it's going to be kind of fun to watch. I mean, just when you talk about him alone, I'm curious to see how he develops. I think yeah. we all should be. How is he going to develop? Is he going to get a lot better in year two? How different will it be? How will the team respond to him? How much better will the team be? The talent be all of that. So I don't think they can put all their eggs in his basket. I've said this publicly. There's got to be another option in case it doesn't work out, whether it's injury wise or otherwise, you have to have options, right? Hopefully they have a ton of picks. Now already they have a nice amount of picks relative to what we've had around here lately. Yeah. I mean, we feel like this is a cornucopia already. You make certain deal or deals. Maybe you can really add to the equation this year, please. Oh my gosh. Are we going to go through another draft? Never mind. You know what I was just referring to right there, no. but we at least this year, no, you have a first, a second, two thirds. Let's rock. See where you go. I'm not saying draft a quarterback high. I'm just saying you need another option in addition to this uh, for insurance purposes, if nothing else. To Mark's point, there obviously was uh, some uh, to do about Deshaun Watson today. Mark and I are not legal experts. I certainly am not. I don't know how to read any of that. So we're not going to actually comment on it because we don't know what is coming out of that. <laughs> I, I'll tell you how to read it. I, I'll tell you how to read it. Not yet. That's not how yet. you read it. Yeah. These are the two yet. words. Not yet. Not yet. That's the best probably legal expert uh, advice right there. Not mm -hmm. yet. So it's a very serious situation. Obviously, I don't mean to make light of it. No, but not yet. Yeah, not yet. So. Mm -hmm. So there you go. All right. Coming up next. Two of the greatest of all time. 
Brian Erlocker and Devin Hester are going to join Drew Doherty to give their thoughts on new head coach Lovey Smith. That's next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a President's Day edition, a Monday night edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. So glad to be with you, especially for our next two guests. We will start off with a Hall of Famer, and then we will finish with a guy that I think should probably go into the Hall of Fame, especially if you're the greatest at a very valuable position, even if it doesn't fall in the All-22 you're the best returner of all time. You should go in the Hall of Fame. Devin Hester was that. We're going to hear from Devin Hester in a little bit on Lovey Smith, but we're going to start with Brian Erlocker, the great middle linebacker for the Bears. Lovey Smith was his head coach, and Drew Doherty had a chance to catch up with the New Mexico native who spent his career with Lovey in Chicago. Joining us now is <laughs> Hall of Famer Brian Erlocker, one of the greatest to ever play the game, certainly one of the greatest Chicago Bears, and a big fan of Lovey Smith, who's now the Houston Texans head coach. You know, when we were setting this thing up, you were really excited hearing about, quote-unquote, your guy. Yeah. What do you think of the news when you heard that Lovey Smith is now in charge? It's great. It's great for the Houston Texans, number one. Uh, it's great for football to have him back as a head coach. You know, I know he played – he was decorated last year. He's in the league, but – he needs to be a head coach. He's a great leader of men. You know, our whole team looked up to him. He's just a – I mean, you don't want to let him down. He's one of those guys where you do not want to let him down, not because you're scared to get in trouble, but because of the type of man he is. You just want to perform well because, you know, number one, he expects it of you, but he also believes you can do it. Just um, so happy for him, so um, so happy that him and his family got another head coaching job. Yeah, a few moments <clears throat> ago I, I spoke in this same sort of situation <clears throat> with one of your former teammates, Devin Hester, and he said oh, yeah. he's the type of guy he'd run through a wall <clears throat> for, you'd break your head open for. Now, we don't want the Texans to do any of that. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Speak a little bit more of that because Hester was talking about how he's a player's coach because he would seek input or welcome input when you guys had bright ideas. Yeah. That's an important thing, <clears throat> isn't it? You know, he's a defensive head coach, which I really enjoyed because I played defense, obviously. But, you know, we'd have ideas during the week, and he'd ask, he'd, he'd openly ask us, what do you think about this situation? What do you think about that? And if we didn't like it, he would throw it out. You know, it's just nice to be able – because if, if you're in a situation in the game and you don't – you, you know, even in practice and you don't like the defense you're playing or, or the call, probably not going to be good for you. If it makes you uncomfortable in practice, it's probably going to be the same way in the game. So he would always listen to us, always ask for our input. Um, we had meetings, you know, weekly with our, our leadership – Leadership council, he called it. Basically a screw-around meeting for 20 minutes during the week with five of us. But he's just so fun to talk to. You know, great family man. Obviously, anyone who knows him knows that. God, there's so many superlatives I want to use to talk about him. He's just, he's amazing. You know, he's a good man. Like I said, you don't want to let him down. Just a great, great hire for the Texans. Yeah, and he's only been in Houston for a year. But a lot of the stuff yeah. you're saying, a lot of the stuff we heard from Hester, we've seen today on social media from a lot of the guys who played for him. And we heard about it during the year when you talk with him. He didn't take much time getting in with the players. And one of the things that, you know, he put as a huge goal, a main goal was getting the ball takeaways because this team was horrible the year before he got here. They only had nine on the whole season. And this oh year they were top 10 in the NFL. They had 25. That jump in takeaways was huge. And that's something your defenses were excellent at as well. Can you talk a little bit more about the yeah. ways he got you guys to get those takeaways? Thinking about the football, you know, the ball is the game. You know, if you have the football, it's a good situation for you. So we practiced it. He preached it. You know, if the ball was on the ground, we didn't pick it up. We were wrong. Every time you got around the football in practice, whether it's 
unless it's a quarterback, you don't touch your quarterbacks, but you're stripping the football. Even if it's an incomplete pass, you pick the ball up. You're, you see our linemen, our, our old linemen did it too. If there was a ball on the ground, not just defensive guys, the whole team would pick the ball up and run with it. And you make the refs make a decision. You know, it may be a fumble, it may not be a fumble, but you make them make a decision. Now with all the replay and stuff, you know, they're, they're hardly ever get it wrong, but you're still making them make a decision. So it's just, it's amazing how, how the, when, we, when you practice it, because before he got there, we were pretty good takeaways. Our old coaches were really good at teaching them as well. But mm-hmm. when he got there, the fumbles, and, and it's amazing how many times we scored on defense when he got there, because in practice, when we got the ball, we all turned and blocked and formed a wall or, you know, just tried to uh, try to get in the end zone. Tell me about the first time you met him and your first memory of him. I, I remember they hired him and I was like, yes, a defensive head coach. And I know he had a, a good pedigree coming from, from St. Louis. I have great memories of him. My, my first year he was there was tough for me. I pulled my hamstring the first day of training camp. Oh. His, his first, so frustrating. I, had, I only played nine games that season. So I, he probably had his doubts about whether I was, how durable I was going to be. And the next year in his defense, I was defensive player of the year. And then I got better and better. But like I said, we, we evolved as a defense every year. And he, he evolved because of, he let us do what we were good at. You know, if we had a guy like I didn't have to in cover two, which you guys probably know, the middle linebacker runs to the middle of the field, but mm-hmm. we didn't do that. He changed it up. He let Lance run down the middle sometimes. Every once in a while, we'd read it. Um, he just let us do what he thought we were good at, and he would always listen to us, which we appreciated. You know, you bring up a really good point there, and you use the word evolved, and I don't know that most people associate that word with him. He's got the white beard now. Beard. Tell me a little bit more about the way he was. He's a creative guy. He would change things up. And we saw him change things up second half of this season. The Texans played a little bit better defensively under Lovey. They did play better. You know, just he's not a dummy. He's a smart, smart football coach. He's been around football a long time. He knows he has to evolve to get better. But his base is the cover two. And as much as I hate to say it, cover two works. You know, we ran it. There were some games we ran it. We played Green Bay one year. We had 46 snaps, 45 recovered too, and we won the game. So I just think you got to do what you need to do to win the game, and he knows that. But we go into a game with literally seven defenses. You know, a lot of teams have a long call list, playlist, or whatever. We go into a game with seven play with seven play calls, and we would win. We would dominate because we could play fast. We did, we weren't out there thinking. It's not you know, it's not throw as much stuff as at these guys as you can. It's do what you do and do it well. Make them adjust to you, and, and we were really good at that. And he let us play. We played. Really, really fast. And one thing he doesn't put up with is loafing. If yeah. the guys aren't running, it doesn't matter who you are. If I loafed, I didn't play. Lance loafed, he didn't play. If you don't run to the football, you are not going to play for Lovey. You know, and you talk about he's a defensive coach. Of course, that's what we all associate with him. But I was talking about this with Hester. He's also got, got a special teams bone in him. He was always around. He was almost an assistant special teams coach this year with the Texans really? and places a big, big emphasis on that. How much can you speak to that from your time with Lovey, you know, playing there with the Bears? I'll say this. My nine years with him, we were always top five or top ten, especially. Coach Tobe, who is now at KC, is a great special teams coach as well. But Coach Smith had his hands in there, too. He, he was, you know, it's a big part of the game, especially when you have a guy like Devin Hester. I think you need to find a way to be creative and make sure he gets the football as many times as he can on returns. But, you know, we block kicks. We, um, we return kicks for touchdowns. And we, the main thing is we didn't make mistakes on special teams. I think that's a big deal. The, the block in the backs, they're, they're going to happen. You know, those are, those are just mind things. But Play for football. the most part, yeah, it's football. They shouldn't happen, but they do. You know, full speed plays. And most of the time, the refs call them when they're not even a penalty. Anyway, that's another story for another day. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, he's just he wants, I think he wants his hands on the, the places. You know, offensively, I think he lets the coaches do what they need to do on offense. But defense and special teams, he's going to have a big hand in that. 
Yeah, that's fun stuff. Well, listen, Brian, we really do appreciate the time. Is there yes. one last thing you want to let the people of Houston know who follow the Texans, love the Texans, yeah. know about their new head coach? Congratulations. You know, just he's a great man. You're going to you have the, the leader of young men that you want. You know, if if uh, if my son played for the Texans under Lovey Smith, I'd be a really happy guy because I know he's getting great leadership and great life lessons from from a great man. Oh, wait, I got one more last one. OK, you're okay, one of the greatest right. <clears throat> high school players to ever come out of New Mexico. Ooh, thank you. You heard about the team that he was on in high school, Lovey Smith? You know, much Big about Sandy. That? Big Sandy, man. Big Sandy, Texas. How impressive is that? What they did. I don't know. So I don't know what they did. He, he didn't give us stats, but all he ever said was he's from Big Sandy, and Big Sandy could play some football. Well, That's his, all I know. <laughs> his senior year, they won the state title. They gave up as a defense, I think, about 15 to 16 points on the entire season. And they scored like 700 points. So, yeah, they just blasted everybody. So, every game was a shot. They get what average one point, one points a game against them? <laughs> Pretty much. I think like two teams scored on them the entire year. How's so. that possible? Yeah. Yeah. He never told us that. I should have, next time I see him, I'll ask him. But that's a, uh, that's pretty impressive. It's a good Wikipedia little entry if you ever want to get I into got, that. I got to <laughs> find that out. Yeah, for sure. Well, Brian, we really do appreciate the time. Best of luck to you. And we'll talk to you again very, very right. soon. Thanks, Drew. See you, man. I love that Brian Erlocker was. As incredulous as I, when you think back to the big Sandy stats, <laughs> giving up one point per game defensively. <laughs> they won games an average of 59 to one. Of course, when I asked Coach Lovey Smith about it, it was funny because you may not have watched the video. You may have just heard it. But he gets this kind of sly smile on his face. He's sitting next to me, and he kind of looks at me, and he's like, John. And he kind of took the conversation in a different direction. But we got off the air uh, he shared a little bit more, which was kind of fun nonetheless. All right, let's catch up with a future Hall of Famer, and that is Devin Hester. He had some great things to say about Lovey as well. Here's Devin and Drew. Well, Lovey Smith is the new head coach of the Houston Texans, so we want to talk with one of his best players ever and one of the best players in NFL history. We got Devin Hester with us, and Devin, thanks so much for the time. First things first, what'd you think when you heard the news that Lovey Smith is going to be head coach again in the NFL? You know, it, it wasn't shocking to me because I knew at the end of the day, man, the, the guy that coached Lovey is, man, it's, it was just a matter of time where he was going to get his next opportunity to be a head coach. You know, today is the day where he got opportunity to, 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 to take over a team, you know, and lead it. And I'm um, just rooting for him and hoping for the best. Yeah, you know, you scored 36 touchdowns in your career, mm -hmm. a lot of them with the Chicago Bears returning punts, returning kickoffs, catching the ball. You're just a great all-around player. You were drafted technically as a cornerback, so you played all three phases of the game. What do you remember most about your time in Chicago with Lovey as head coach? Man, Coach Lovey to me was probably one of my favorite coach I ever had. And I would say the reason why, you know, of course I spent eight years with him. He was just a player's coach. And, you know, you have a lot of coaches. I've been around a lot of coaches where they're, they're just – there was head coaches, but uh, Coach Lovey was just more of a player's coach. And what I mean by that was he was the type of coach that was willing to hear what the players had to say and how the players felt. You know what I mean? Whatever was on their mind, it, it was never a time was I, where I was uncomfortable to go to Coach Lovey about a problem and let him know. You know, of course, you have, like I said, you have coaches like that where players are, you know, hesitant to say certain things to them about, whether the practices are, whether, you know, the body is hurting or the body, they, they just not mentally in it, you know what I mean? But Coach Levy was one of the guys where his door was always open to every player. And every player that I know that played up on a Levy always had that feeling where 
they can always come to him for anything. You stuck around the NFL a long time, so you saw your share of coaches. What you just talked about, being a player's coach, being able to listen to what these guys want, how important is that and how much did that differ from perhaps, and I'm not asking you to name names, but how much did that differ from other coaches you ever encountered in your life? It rubs the player the right way. It makes the player, you know, where you have a coach that you know that have your best interests, whether it's on the field or off the field. You know what I mean? He was the type of guy where in business decision, he was always for his players. You know what I mean? Whatever the players wanted and how they felt, he stuck 100% behind them. And that's the type of coach where you can – he would ask any player to run through the wall, and that player know deep down inside, if I try to run through this wall, I'm going to bust my head wide open. But I'm going to do it because I know that at the end of the day, he, he's telling me the right thing where, you know, where he just has that type of faith. He put that, that type of faith in players. You know, he's served as the defensive coordinator in Houston this year. He's known as a defensive guy. But we also saw him when special teams was doing their, their work and doing their drills – he was a part of that as well. He was almost like an assistant special teams coach. How important was that aspect in your mind as far as who he is? Because he's clearly a well-rounded coach in that regard, isn't he? Right. Most definitely. Coach Love is a guy that loves all three phases. And at the end of the day, in his time in Chicago, we he start doing the same thing where he really started paying attention to specialty. And when you have a head coach that, you know what I mean? Like a lot of, a lot of coaches don't really care about specialty. They let specialty coaches handle that. And they just kind of really focus on either offense or defense. But when you have a coach that's three dimensional where he cares about every phase of the game, then they, the specialty guys feel more important. And that's why special team unit was so good in Chicago because mm -hmm. coach Lovey was in meetings. You know what I mean? Like, when I was in other teams, I didn't really see the head coach and special team meets, but Coach Levy would go in and charm in and, and sit in meetings sometimes and show up and, and, and ask questions. You know what I mean? To the special team coach, why everybody in there, you know? So that showed all the special team guys that, wow, Coach, we are important to this team, and, and that's just the type of coach he is. You know, he's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of years under his belt. What's next for him, do you think, coming into a situation like he has right now with the Houston Texans? Coach Lovey would, I would say he's, he has to, he, we all know he's defensive minded. Mm -hmm. I think the defense would pick it up a lot. I think he would go out and get key guys. I think he would hire a great uh, offensive coordinator that has the experience that would be able to handle the offense. You know what I mean? Where he had, he can re relax and focus more on defense and special team. Mm -hmm. I think that's the type of mindset that Coach Levy's going to go in and I'm going to go out and get a great offensive coordinator. If he's not comfortable with what he has, I know he would go out and get a great offensive coordinator that he know that at the end of the day, that offense coordinator can handle the offense. But I'm going to focus on special team and defense because at the end of the day, they always say defense win championships and he's going to put together a great special team unit. No doubt. Yeah, Pep Hamilton is going to be his offensive coordinator. Pep, wow. of course, has been an OC all over the place. He was the quarterback's right. coach this year and did a great job. So looks like he's got that part of the equation all settled. What's your favorite okay. memory of Lovey Smith? If you had to boil it down to one memory ever, what is it? I would say when I remember his wife actually came up to me um, maybe like my second year in the league. And she said, I haven't seen Coach Lovey smile like that in a while until he came, he, he started watching you play football. <laughs> and he was on your team. She said, I, I never seen my husband smile as much as he do when we talk about you. <laughs> That's got to feel good, huh? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Well, you made a lot of people smile, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this week. I mean, 
you're going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. What's it like being a part of everything? And what, what sort of memories do you have of this week, seeing as how you took a kickoff back to start a Super Bowl for a touchdown? Man, it's just, you know, just, just, just a, a, a little kid, you know what I mean? Growing up, wanting to be a football player and then getting the opportunity to play in the league. And then at the end of the day, you know, being mentioned as one of the greatest football players to ever play the game of football, it's, it's tremendously an honor. And when we talk about the Hall of Fame, you know, for me, it's just going to be a cherry on top of my ice cream, man. And hopefully one day I make it, hopefully this year, but not if not this year, then hopefully next year. You know what I mean? I feel like it will be soon. So it's really going to just really put that cherry on the top for me. And since you played at the U and one of the greatest Houston Texans ever, Andre Johnson played at the U a little bit before you. What do you think about uh-huh. Dre and his chances for making it to the Hall? Man, I'm hopefully we both we both go in at the same time because at the end of the day, I think it's gonna be a you party. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you're both Hall of Famers in my book. So Devin Hester, we really do appreciate the time. Enjoy the week, and uh, we hope to talk to you again very very soon. Okay, man, you guys enjoy, it, man, and you guys are uh, doing a, a a smart decision by by hiring Coach Levy, man. I'll take that as a thumbs up from the greatest returner that has ever lived, Devin Hester. Devin Hester, you are ridiculous. That's my favorite Jeff Joniak call of all time. That was after the touchdown uh, in the Super Bowl against the Colts. I just wish the Bears would have had enough offense that day to beat Peyton Manning and the Colts. But uh, alas, it didn't happen. Either way, great stuff there from Devin Hester. All right, when we get back, we'll play a little Rumor Palooza quarterback style. Yeah, there have been some rumors out there. I'll assess them one to 10, one being not so ridiculous, 10 being the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Quarterback rumor Palooza next right here in Texas All Access. All Access. All Access. We got one final segment of this Monday edition of Texans All Access, a President's Day edition. Hail to the chief, and I don't know the rest of the words, though. You know the song that I am talking about. Okay, I've sung way too long. I sang way too long. I don't know what verb or past tense verb I should have used there. But yeah, that's too much singing for me in any one moment. All right, I said that we were going to play quarterback rumor palooza. Rated on a scale of 1 to 10. Let's start with this one that I saw out there. I think this one was a projected trade. The Green Bay Packers send Aaron Rodgers to the Denver Broncos, and in return, the Packers get pick number nine in this draft. They get a first-rounder in 2023. They get a second and a third-rounder in 2022 for Aaron Rodgers. Now, as it pertains to quarterback rumor palooza, that's been out there. Possibility of that, probably a five or a six. Maybe I'll go a little bit higher. That trade is interesting. Boy, Green Bay... Has their their quarterback of the future. If you're Denver, I think you do that deal all day long. Yes, it's two ones, a two and a three. And the guy's 37 years old, if my math is correct. He has five years in him. And you get a world championship. Is it worth it for Denver to do that? I think it is. I mean, if you look back at the Peyton Manning years, I know they didn't give up that much for Peyton Manning, obviously, because Peyton was released by the Colts. But was it worth it? Yeah, those four years for the Broncos were 2012, 
They got the divisional round, got upset. 2013, they got to the Super Bowl. 2014, they got upset by the Colts. 2015, they won a championship. Those are the four years of Peyton Manning in Denver. I don't know if this team is as talented as that, but it's pretty darn close if you drop Aaron Rodgers in that mix. I would say that's probably a 6-7 to seven as far as the rumor Palooza goes. I don't know about the trade, though. Boy, Green Bay is bringing back a lot. And if they believe in Jordan Love, it could be a win-win. Get a couple of first-rounders. Green Bay's picking nine. My goodness. Give an offensive lineman there. Get an offensive playmaker, a Traylon Burks, to put opposite Devonta Adams, potentially. Well, it could get kind of interesting for the Packers at that point. Okay. Quarterback rumor palooza number two. We go to Charlotte for this one. The rumor is that the Carolina Panthers are interested in Kirk Cousins. Oh, 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 oh. now from a plausibility standpoint, I give it a three, maybe a two, because Kirk Cousins is due like 40 something million this year, or that's what his cap hit is. It's an insane number. I can't see the Panthers taking that on. Um, unless the Vikings throwing Kirk Cousins in a like a first and some other picks to take the money aspect off their hands. But I can promise you Kirk Cousins going to Carolina is going to make the Panthers better. Is it going to put them over the top? No. And another big swing and a miss, so to speak, is not going to be good for Matt Rule in Carolina with David Tepper there. He wants to see success. I don't think Kirk Cousins guarantees you success. I think if you're the Panthers, you give up more for the guarantee of success, and there could be a quarterback that played his college ball very close to the Carolina Panthers' home in Charlotte that maybe, maybe would accept the trade there. I don't know. Plausibility of that would be much higher. Kirk Cousins to the Panthers. I'm going like a two or a three because nothing is ever a zero. Nothing's ever a zero, but I would give that about a two or a three. Aaron Rodgers going to Denver, a little bit higher. Kirk Cousins going to the Carolina Panthers. That was the rumor du jour. No, no, thank you, sir. So there you go. Got a big thanks to Mark for stopping by, to Brian Urlacher and Devin Hester, of course, to our man Drew Doherty. To all of you for listening, thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow, and as always, go Texans.